Let's see announcements here. Um, of course, we got that camp in a couple of weeks, and then the uh, um, the schedule of speaking here. Uh, the next Sunday morning is uh, well, is Memorial Day weekend. It's next week, so we'll have just one service uh, on that date. Uh, and Chrissy's going to share uh, with what's been going on with her mission trip to Cambodia. Uh, she'll be going back. At least she she is going back, isn't she? Yes. And so. Uh, That'll be good. Um, it let you see what's going on in the, elsewhere in the world. And then uh, I'll come back for a, uh, one Sunday on the first Sunday in June. The second Sunday in June is going to be really, really interesting. I want to ask that you begin to pray for it. Uh, Al Houghton called me the other day. Uh, <laughs> that guy, you know, it's almost dangerous to say that he's pumped up because he's always pumped up. But uh, Al's getting kind of up there in years, you know, 73, I think. And uh, But he called me. I think he was having like an open vision or something. He was on the shore in the California and Oceanside watching the waves come in. And, I mean, he was just going off on this thing about what God was showing him. I'm a little hot here, am I? Uh, so the what came out of that is that He's excited because he thinks that, that what, what we're being shown uh, in this church is literally the, the path that God wants to take the church, the church, big on forward going from here. It's a it's a, a spectacular time that is ahead of us, uh, as you will see, and it's a perilous time. We need to get it right. That's the kind of the point. If you knew that the biggest event of, of all history was in front of you, wouldn't you want to get it right? The biggest event of history. I say a lot. So, to that point, we're we're working on this, and we covet your prayers that God will speak to us. We're thinking that. At least my thought is that maybe the first, usually he comes up here for three services, and we'll see about that. Uh, but the first service may be a little teaching by him about what what he sees and what we would like to do. And at least maybe the next service on Sunday night, instead of teaching so much, we'll have a prophetic roundtable. And... That ought to be interesting. I'd like for you to pray. The Bible says uh, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. What God wants to do in Jesus Christ will begin to work in your life by the spirit of prophecy, and it will begin to birth it through you and all these other people until a picture of Christ is seen. So... Uh, there's much to be said about what's ahead of us. We need the spirit of prophecy. We need to be seeing ahead so that we don't march down a, a blind alley or go in a way that's going to make us turn around and have to go back. So what I've noticed in my years of ministry is, you know, we've had, we have a lot of prophets through here. And, uh, 
When they get here, it's, it's interesting, but the spirit of prophecy comes with them. The Bible says if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. Well, one of those rewards is the spirit of prophecy itself. And it, like, it can set on everybody. And we can all prophesy. According to 1 Corinthians 14, you can all prophesy. Now, not all of you are prophets, but the spirit of prophecy can work through you as well. In fact, Paul says, I would that you would all prophesy. Every one of you. So in that, you begin to see a fullness of what God wants to do. Uh, revelation about things that we don't know yet, but we need to know. So how that is going to actually uh, work out on our strip is still to be uh, determined, and that's why I ask you for prayer. And there will be probably more to be said about that later as we close in toward that. But I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, I think that there will be words from, uh, or you know, just revelations given to various people for the benefit of all, all of us. So we are uh, an even... Uh, uh, even-handed thing here. Uh, we are open to offended everyone equally. That's what we do. All right. <clears throat> Turn with me, if you would, to Revelation 1. I'm still kind of wrestling with myself as to how much I want to do this today. I think I want to cut this sermon in half. Don't applaud. But there's a reason for it. God just keeps showing me stuff. Um, you know, back in uh, uh, Lake City, 2012, I looked it up. Uh, that was uh, when we went to Lake City. For those of you that are new to the church, every five years we take the church up to Lake City, Colorado, and spend five days up there, five nights, and uh, have a great time. And but man, I mean, minister. We go at it in the spirit. And there's some amazing things that have been going on with us every five years at Lake City starting in 2002. And uh, back in 2012, we actually went late in the year. For those of you that remember, it was in September. And, uh, God, the mountains were already starting to turn colors. It was absolutely beautiful. And uh, But Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, also took place while we were up there. So in September of 2012, the year 2013 actually kicked off while we were up there. Isn't that weird? And it was while we were up there that the Lord gave us a word. And the word was this. I want to make you, this church, my jewels. That's out of Malachi 3. In the day that I make up my crowd, I want to make you my jewels. It's a Hebrew word. I can't remember the word. Don't, don't let me say it because I can't. But the same word was revisited with us five years later, which was a couple years ago, a year and a half ago. And he gave us an invitation to be his special, special treasure, special possession. Same exact word. That Invitation is only used eight times in the entire Bible. And it's given to a, to the people of God who would be to him priest. The original plan of God was that Israel would not just be one tribe of priests, the Levites, but would all be priests. 
A kingdom of priests. That was the, the, the goal. And when they came to Mount Sinai, he laid that invitation out there. I will, if you will walk with me in covenant, you will be a special possession to me, a kingdom of priests. So it was interesting to me that that was the word that God gave me to Lake City two times in a row. The first one was jewels. It was like the end of the, of the process. And then five years later, he comes in and starts the beginning of the process, the invitation to become those jewels. And the question he told me to ask you, will you do it? And he said, ask him three times. And if they answer correctly, then you can move on with the rest of it. If they don't, then, then fold your Bible and go home. So he's really laying it out there for you to be a kingdom of priests. All right? It never quite happened with Israel. They failed. But the goal of God has never really changed. He wants us to be priests, all of us. And in the New Testament, you actually see it taking place. Okay. Having said all that. It's a calling, an invitation over this church. We're not the only one, but we are one of those that have been called and asked by God, would you like to do this? And we said yes. Okay. As soon as we got home, after the first one in 2012, the Lord began to visit us with Psalms 139. It wasn't that fun. So you can see what God was doing. He, he has an invitation. Would you like to do this? You say yes. So, fine. So here's what it's going to cost you. I'm going to prepare you to be that, that I've called you to be. Psalm 139. Search my heart, O God, and see if there's any wicked way in me. Know my heart and my anxieties and lead me back. To the way everlasting. Y'all remember those wonderful times with Psalm 139. We could not get out of that psalm. And it kind of spread across the body across. I remember Gateway uh, Church over in Fort Worth had their music people put out a song called 139. And I thought, God, what is that song? It was Psalm 139. Singing that song. I thought, man, God is really doing a deep work in us. So as he invites us into this high place with him, he says, okay, so what I want you to do is ask me to come into your heart and look around and see if there's any wicked way in you to see where your life has gone. Because if you go back and read the entire psalm, you'll find that the author of that says, you know, where would I go away from your spirit? Like, I'm out of here. If I went across the ocean, you're there. If I went to hell, I'll find you there. No matter where I went... I found you there. And I have to answer the calling of my life, which you wrote before I was ever even born. That's also in Psalm 139. So he did that. And he's been doing that. Searching our hearts to see what's really there. And then lead us back to the original calling of my life. Before there were any of the days ever written, he put them down. So we have a call. And he's been preparing us for the call. And in Revelation 1, I want you to show you something about the call that he has for the church. 
Please note Psalms, uh, Revelation 1, verse 4. Now, what I'm calling this is this is a time of preparation and division. Preparation and division. It has to take place. So here we have it. What is the call? Because that was what we're being prepared for, and then we're going to find that some will do it and some won't. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, look at this right here. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now just stop for a minute. What you will see is these seven churches that he's referring to, they're not the only churches of that day. They're not even the only seven churches that are in Asia. There were more than seven. But what they were, what they were was a representative setting of all churches. So with these seven, you will get a picture of the church of the Lord. Not just at that time, not just in Asia, but for all time, everywhere. So the message that goes out here is for the church eternal. No matter where you are, if you're Catholic or Church of Christ or Baptist or what what we are, what are we? Christian. But, so what you'll see here is an eternal message to everyone. And yet, what's interesting about it is that within the church eternal, there are little groupings of people. And it's like God lets everyone that has the same issue end up in the same place. So if you don't like what you are, look around. Everyone like you is in here. He groups people. And then he deals with the group. It's interesting. So you're not here by accident, really. God leads you to the place where he wants to deal with you. The issues that make you who you are. So this this message is to all seven churches. Eternal. So here it is. Verse 4b. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ... The faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the rulers of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, verse 6, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. There is your calling. He's called every church to occupy this place, especially as we close in on the end time. His church, everyone in it, has the invitation to be kings and priests to his God and Father. Every one of us. Will we all do it is the question. What do y'all think? Will we all do it? I want to believe that we will all do it. But I'm having a real hard time convincing myself. Because all I can do is look around. And what am I seeing in the church 
of my day, in my part of the world. We have issues that do not speak to this call. See, I can't be a priest to my God and his father and drag in a bunch of stuff that the church is wrestling with today. I just can't make it square. You know, I can't bring on two women married together and say, and there's your example of the bride and the bridegroom. Sorry, it just doesn't fit. Now, they think it fits. But I don't think it fits. So the calling, I mean, there's a bunch of those out there, right? And I, I mean, some of the stuff that we are debating today, I just cannot believe would even be up for debate at all. I mean, seriously. Uh, <clears throat> there are churches in, I know in California, where they do Islamic things beside the Christian thing. Uh, Andy and Phyllis went to one church. They don't go there no more because they uh, they had a cross uh, at that church with Jesus on it. They took Jesus down and put Buddha on there because they wanted to reach out. Does that offend you? It should do something to you. And if it doesn't, I don't know what to say about you. Don't go dragging that to God. It ain't happening. So, you know, but the, the goodness of God, the justice of God, is that he treats us all the same and that the invitation is to everyone. Whosoever will. Whosoever will. But do you will is the question. That's the division I see happening right now. And it's so subtle in some way. Some of it's overt. I mean, it's hard not to see it. But some of it is so subtle. I'll give you one. Oh, you'll see it here in a minute. But, you know, as we approach the day, we'll see in the scripture, we're supposed to be more and more mindful of coming together. That's, that's scriptural. It's a big deal with God that you come together because there's safety and wisdom and uh, instruction and all that sort of thing as we come together. So what is one of the signs of his second coming? We don't come together. People are running to and fro. The, the book of Daniel says that many will run to and fro and knowledge will be increased. That sounds like you know what we got today, right? We are the most travel-oriented people in the whole history of man. We know more than, than anything. Shoot, we got Holy Spirit on Google now, right? And uh, so uh, we, we, according to Jesus, at, at that time when we should be coming together, we are said going everywhere, marrying and giving in marriage. Oh, my God, there's so many weddings nowadays. What's up with that? I mean, we go everywhere for everything and they just seem to contend with the one thing that he said to do. Now, I know that offends you. And God has told me no more sign language, so I can't say, you know, what I want to say about that. But you should think about it. Really. You know, think about Mary and Martha. Jesus comes to their house. What would you do if Jesus came to your house? I don't want to sit next to him and say, every word out of your mouth, I want to hear it. And Mary did. What did Martha do? She got busy doing things that had to be done 
They have to be done. They have to be done now. And she missed the time with Jesus. Which one got the praise? The one that didn't do the stuff. That instead said nothing else matters. He's in the house. One thing matters. Oh yeah, but I got and name the, the, the reasons for not being with him. The way he said to be with him. Now don't, don't get legalistic with me. Say, well, I'm, I'm always with him. And I'm with anybody who's a Christian. That's the church. No, 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 no. Don't get cute. It's not time to get cute. It's the time to obey. Seriously. If you love me, do what I say. That was from Jesus, by the way. So we all have this call to be kings and priests. Now, I'm fixing to do something I hadn't planned on doing, but I'm going to do it anyway. I want to show you what I'm talking about here. These seven churches have a call to be a king and a priest. Do you actually see it in their the message that he then gives these seven churches? King and priest. Just real quick, and this is we're flying by the seat of our pants. And I ain't got many pants, so this is gonna be a quickie here. Look at the churches. Look over to chapter two. This is real brief. Look at the first church. Chapter two, verse one. What is the caption above the the church of Ephesus? The loveless church. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you the other call besides king and priest. Anybody know? Bride. It ends with a bride. Kings and priests unto his bride. In fact, uh, Michael got this deal. I want to read it to you. The whole word apocalypse means the unveiling of the bride. Isn't that interesting? Y'all want me to read that to you? Okay. Thanks for asking. You're so quick. He told me this deal. I thought, wow, that's so cool. Joseph Kahn. Jonathan Cotton, the guy that wrote the paradigm, great book. The Apocalypse. He says, we were all sitting, by the way, you do, the book of Revelation is called the Apocalypse. Right? Look at chapter 1, verse 1. The Apocalypse of John. We were all sitting around the campfire, the teacher and I, along with several other students. But because I was sitting next to him, only I could hear his words as he read from the scroll in his hand. And he reads this. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on its horns, and each head a blasphemous name. It's from the book of Revelation, he said. The 13th chapter, first verse, the apocalypse, a word that brings fear. But do you know what the most apocalyptic thing is? And I said, the destruction of the world? No, said the teacher. It's a wedding. How could a wedding be a apocalyptic? Well, shall we just ask each other? How's your life been since you got married? No, just kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. Can y'all take a joke anymore? Don't ask for whom the bell tolls. The bell tolls for thee. There you go. The word apocalypse comes from the Greek apokalypsis. Apokalypsis. Which in turn comes from two root words. Apo, which means away or to remove, and calypsis, 
which means a veil or a covering. A veil or a covering. So apocalypse is the removing of the veil. The word speaks of the revealing, the opening of the vision concerning the end. But there's more to it. When you get to the end of the Bible, in the end of the apocalypse, what you find is a bride and a bridegroom. What you find is a wedding. In the ancient Hebrew marriage, on the day of the wedding, when the bride and the groom, after their long separation, now stand face to face, the bride lifts the veil from her face, the removing of the veil, the apocalypsis, the apocalypse. So the two stand there with no veils, no more separations, face to unveiled face. In the same way, there will come a day, a wedding day, when all veils will be removed and we will see him as he is. And he will see us as we are, unveiled, face to face. You see, said the teacher, we are all heading to one apocalypse or another. The apocalypse of judgment, or in salvation, the apocalypse of a wedding. And if you are of the wedding, then you must even now come before him and remove your veil and your coverings with no more separations and nothing hidden. Psalm 139. For only if you come as you are can you know him as he is. And only then will he be able to touch you as you must be touched and changed. Learn the secret of living as on the day of the wedding, even now, with no coverings, in the apocalypsis of the bride and the groom, face to face, beyond the veil. What do y'all think about that? Pretty cool stuff. So we have a call to all the churches, kings and priests. Now, you've got to really get the language here, folks, to his God and his Father. Who are you going to be a priest to? All your buddies who have weird doctrines? Or first to his Father and God? Amen? Are you all with me? And it ends with a bride and a bridegroom thing. The wedding, where we see each other just like we're supposed to. Not with all these spots and blemishes that we're carrying around, hoping that he will just accept it. He will not accept it. So look at the caption again above above chapter 2, verse 1. What is the caption above the first church? Loveless church. Gee, I wonder if she's called to be the bride. Bad God. I think so. Is she? She's not doing very good right now. She's called to it. But he says, your love has grown cold. Who wants to marry that? Men? Is that what you're looking for? That cold fish thing? Seriously. Let's just get real. And of course, all men are saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you do. Thank you, brother. We have an honest man in the house. Look at him now. You'll never see him again. (laughs) See, verse 4, I have this against you. You're called to this, but I have this against you. You left your first love. Are you going to leave it? No, you left it. So are you in trouble concerning the call? I think so. 
Verse 5, remember therefore from where, where you have fallen and repent. You're going to find that all the way through here. Turn around. Go back. And he says, if you don't do it, this is verse 5b, I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So, folks, he's not playing games here. You know, how many of you have raised kids? Let's just see your hands. You raised kids. Uh, get them up high. Successfully. Oh, yeah, okay, two of you. One thing I did learn, almost after it was completely over, never threaten what you won't do. Right? You never tell them, I'm going to take that car if you do that again. Get ready. To get the keys now. Because they're going to do it again. Suddenly. Never threaten what you are not willing to, to do. What's Jesus doing right here? He's threatened. I will remove. Right? So he's not kidding. Don't take it as a joke. It's not funny. These guys have lost their love for the Lord. So he said, I, that is not what I'm looking for. Ain't having it. There's one. Second one. Move on down. Verse 8. The persecuted church. Now, I'm going to skip this one because they have a call. Let me see here. Um, look at verse 10. It talks about you fix to be put in some tribulation. Bad tribulation. The tribulation. 10 days. You may be tested. We'll have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful to de- until death, and I will give you, what's he giving them? A crown. Uh, gee, I wonder who gets a crown. Kings get crowns. Did you know that priests also get crowns? How about a bride? She, she, she is crowned at, at betrothal to let everyone knows she's taken. So there's the call. It's on this church. Right? But they're not there yet. You guys got to go through the tribulation to get there. Y'all see that? You ain't there yet. But he didn't say he had anything against them. It's just that you got some more work to do. Next church. Look at verse 12. What is the caption above that? The compromising church. Hmm. Whatever must that mean? Well, there's more than one way to God. Right? I mean, don't you think it's just a little bit proud of us to say that you, you must name the name of Jesus and go to heaven? Well, what's wrong with Islam? What's wrong with that? And Confucius and Buddha, name your, your poison. Are we really that much better than them? And I could go on and on and on with the logic that's being used to make us feel bad about the truth. Right? And by the way, all those, all those scriptures in Leviticus and Romans and stuff like that, those were written at least 2,000 years ago. They have no idea what it means to be a homosexual and a Christian and run for president. Y'all do know there's a homosexual running for president. Living with a guy. I'm not sure who's who in that deal. Neither do I want to know. The state party wants to know, but I really don't want to know. Now, wouldn't that be grand if he made it? 
And guess what town he's the mayor of? He's going from mayor to president. Guess what city? Oh, you gotta, you gotta know this. And what is in South Bend? Notre Dame! The University of Notre Dame. Catholic U. Touchdown Jesus. And their mayor <coughs> is a name I can't say. Thank God. Thank you. Blue to judge. He's going to be judged. So, and his whole deal is Mike Pence is an idiot because he believes in the Bible. You can't challenge my Christianity. The compromising church doesn't challenge the Christianity. Sick church, huh? Sick church. Is there any churches in America today that have this doctrine? But they're all called, am I I right? We started off with a calling on every one of them. Well, let's just keep reading about them. And, you know, there's some stuff that he has against them because they're, they're walking with a false prophet. And, but, uh, uh, look at 16. Repent. Or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them or the people of your church with the sword of my mouth. Does that sound like a good plan? You really want Jesus coming with a sword and fighting against you? Honestly? Is that the sign of of a, of a good church? Well, to hell with them, right? No. Verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. See, there's always this thing. You can overcome this, and what are you going to be given? Some of the hidden manna to eat. And a white stone, and on that stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. I will show you later how important that scripture really is. A new name. You know who gets a new name? The bride. The bride gets a new name. So is the call, is it, is it left the house? Nope. Still there. Still there. And hidden manna to eat. And again, later on, not today, because they got time. I'll show you what, how important that really is. It's important to you. In your lifetime. That hidden manna is a big deal. And we'll get to it in two weeks. Sorry. The next one. The Church of Thyatira. The corrupt church. One of my favorites. Don't you love this one? What's wrong with this church? Anybody know? They got great works. Look at verse 19. I know your works. Love, service, faith, patience. Anything wrong with those works? Those are all of God. Nevertheless, 20. I have a few things against you. Because you allow Jezebel in. Woo-hoo. Do y'all remember a word that we had to this church? Anybody remember? Anybody brave enough to say it? Women rule. Women rule. 
As for my people, the problem is women rule and children are their oppressors. And that's the result you get when women rule. How can women rule? Jezebel. They're doing it right now. What's that lady? Sex strike? Lady? The actress? It should be a sex strike. And you know the day. What the hey? You know why? Because Alabama or Georgia, some church, uh, church, state, passed a law saying abortion is illegal. Is there anything wrong with that doctrine? Would that be a doctrine of the Lord? Abortion is illegal. I think so, since that's Molech worship. Yeah, I, I think so. So what's her answer? No more sex. Yeah, we'll get it back. We'll get the control back. I don't like everybody loves Raymond when they had that same fight. Y'all remember the episode of Raymond where they, they had the sex fight? No more sex. I'll, I'll keep this clean because we're in church. I'd keep it clean if we weren't in church because that's just the way I am. <laughs> but she threatened him with the same thing, you know, no more sex. He said, you'll never touch me. I'm like a sex camel. I could go miles and miles and miles and days and days and days with none of it. I think they lasted like a day and a half and both of them are freaking out and, you know, trying to entice the other one to break the, the stalemate. So, women rule. Well, let's just be done with that church. Is there a church in Andrews, do you think? Boy, I started to say something that would get me in lots of trouble. So I won't say it. <laughs> There's a, that's a first. <laughs> I will take off everybody. Oh, that's so tempting. Okay, I won't do it. But, so do we do without these people? No. But I will tell you this. Jesus says, you better repent, verse 21. And here's what he's going to do if you don't. 22, I'll cast you in a sick bed. Those who commit adultery with her into what? Anybody know what that word means? Great tribulation. Gee, I wonder where that is and when that is. And who's going to be there? This church. Did y'all hear that? Hmm. Unless they repent. And I will kill her children. Jeez. With death. That don't sound good. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the hearts and the minds. Now, is this being this the end of this church? No. Verse 25. Hold fast with what you got until I come. And he who overcomes. So when you're in a church where that issue is going on, you're put there to be an overcomer with that issue. You get that? Thank God, if I were you, I would be thanking God that that ain't the issue here. Because we got that one early on. Get it out of here. Amen? And of course the church diminished immediately. Get it out. Now, but notice the call. Keep going. He who overcomes... Keeps my works until the end. That's a little catchy phrase right there. 
To him I will give power over the nations. And then he quotes Psalms 2. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel, as I have received also from my father. Now what is that anointing? The anointing of a king. Isn't that interesting? So this portion of the body of Christ most definitely has the calling of a king upon it. So doesn't it make sense that the first thing that Satan would do was be send in Jezebel to take that down? Isn't that amazing? So the call is still there. What must they do? Overcome. Overcome. And do you think the call of the bride's on this church as well? Well, I asked the guys again, do you want to be married to Jezebel? No. So it's obviously working against the call. Next one. The dead church. Sardis. Verse 2b, I know your works. You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Anybody ever been to a dead church? How come they don't just shut the doors? Interesting, isn't it? Hmm. Be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I not found your works perfect before the Lord. Remember how you have received and heard, hold fast, and repent. Turn. If you don't, if you don't watch, I'm going to come on you as a thief. And you won't know what iron I will come. That's the second church that got that same word. I want to come on you like a thief. I'll come quickly. Folks, when you see that, that's not good news. That's bad news. You aren't ready. That's what it basically says. I'm coming on you, and you're not ready. Go read the parable of the, of the ten virgins. Five of them were not ready. They got left. But there's a few, you know, here's the overcoming. There's a few things, verse 4. There's a few names in Sardis who not defiled their garments. They shall work with, walk with me in white, for they are worthy. I wonder what white signifies. The, bride, the bride's garments. She's called to it. But she's almost dead. And there's a reason, and so they have to repent of that. The next one is the faithful church, the Philadelphian church. There's nothing against that church, and we're going to reserve that church for later. There is no knocks from God on that church. If you're going to try to be a part of a church, that's the one you want to go to. Amen? It's a good church, but it's only one of seven. The last one we're going to talk about is verse 14 of chapter 3. What's it say above that? Lukewarm. And this is the one I know is in Andrews. Let's read a little bit about it. And then God rebuked me severely over this church because I started having an attitude. The Laodicean church, verse 15, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I would wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Boy, New King James is more 
direct than King James. King James said, I will spew you out. That sounds like, you know, less than vomit. Why do you vomit something? Because it's disagreeable to you. It makes you sick. Right? Sick. Makes Jesus sick. Verse 17. Because you say, and I tell you what, you can find this church really easy. I am rich. I am wealthy. I have needed nothing. I don't need the rest of the body of Christ. I don't need anybody in my little sphere. I'll build walls around me and mine. Walls, walls, walls. I don't need nobody. You don't know your true state. And that's the truth. That's where God got me. I was really, I mean, I, this is such a no-brainer to me. It's like, follow me boys. We'll walk right over there. It's easy to see this church. And I was going, yeah, those dirty rats. And God says, no, you missed the point. The point is 17b. You do not know. You don't know your true state. You really don't know it. So how can I judge you for what you don't know? You get it? You don't know that you're rigid, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You don't know it. Someone needs to tell you. And that was where God was dealing with me. So why don't you tell them? I'd rather sit there and point at them. Those dirty rats. You're going to find that in this church, you'll find most of the people that are leaders of your society. You actually need them. Oh, but we don't want to need them. But you do. Trust me. You need them. Folks, you don't give the keys to the kingdom to someone who doesn't know how to drive. You don't give a... a you don't turn over Walmart to someone who ran a local grocery store. You get it? Some people are not built to rule or to lead. They just don't have what it takes. They weren't born that way. Some people are literally born with gifts to lead groups of people. Large groups of people. And hire them. And direct their steps in government and stuff. They really are important to us. But we would rather have attitude and point out everything wrong with them. Am I right? Just being honest. But how many of you could, I mean, honestly, how many of you could be the city manager in Andrews? How many of you could be the the leader of uh, Exxon? You get what I'm saying? Not very many people can. They're not our enemies. They are literally called to be shepherds of God. To take care of God's flock. Provide for them with jobs and things that they can then buy food and stuff for their family. They're not our enemy. But we have, it's so easy for us to be critical of them. And we do it. Do we not? Maybe we ought to repent. We really ought to repent. They're not any worse or better or anything than you. They just have a different call, and they have gifts according to that call. 
And you'll find many of them are in this church. And that's why they will build walls around themselves. They don't think they need you. They need to repent. I'm not saying that they're perfect. No, 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 no. They have real issues. I don't want to deal with those issues, like love of money. But that's not just peculiar to them either, is it? No, not at all. Now, let's keep reading. I want you to see the call on a church like this. Uh, let's just read the whole thing. 18, I counsel you because they don't know. Here's your answer. So here's what I want you to do. Go buy from me gold that's refined in the fire. Now, fire is a big deal. If you want the real deal, Mr. Leader, let me, take, let me introduce you to the fire. You're going to love it. That you may be rich. White garments that you may be clothed. Get rid of your name and Marcus. That the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Because he doesn't want it to be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eyes, Sam, that you may see. He wants you to see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, you be zealous and repent. And that, that is a really cool scripture. Be zealous. See, f- folks, these people here are zealous but not for God. They're, you know, zeal for thy house has eaten me up. That's what Jesus did. But if, if your zeal is just for your stuff, your own personal stuff, you're missing your call. He said, look, you guys have all this ability, but you're focused just on you. Change. Be zealous for his house and watch what God does. It'll be amazing. Repent. Be zealous. Verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. That sounds like the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper. To him who overcomes, I will grant with me to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down my father on his throne. Call of the king. The call of the king is on this church. Now then, we're going to call it a quiz for today. I just wanted to establish that today, that the call is on all the churches we are the body of Christ. All of us are. The call is to us all. We are all called to be a part of his bride. We are all called to be kings. And as Israel was, and, and, the, and the call has always been eternal this way, we are all called to be a kingdom of priests yes. to him. All of us. But if you noticed... Five of the seven churches had one thing they had to deal with before they will ever reach that call. What was it? Repent. And then fill in the blank for what it is they need to repent of. If they don't, then those who don't repent, they will not achieve the call. I'm not saying they're going to hell. I'm saying they're not going to reach their calling at its peak. They're going to not have the fullness of rewards that they should have. Are you with me? But those within all those churches who will deal with the issue of their church and repent and overcome the stuff that's in there, they will achieve the call of king, priest, bride. Amen? Now, the old saying is with the mechanic, you need to pay me now 
Or you can pay me later. But you will pay. How's that for a good one? There is one church that's already paid. Philadelphia. They've made the payment. God, I hope we're that church. But it ain't over yet. But I will tell you this. The words that will call you into that level have been given to this church. They are out there. Now, if you don't know that, shame on you. Well, if you haven't been here before, forget what I just said. But if you have been here for any length of time and you don't know that the words concerning your calling have been given in this church, then shame on you. Because that means you weren't here to hear it. Y'all do remember Larry's Law. You won't hear what you need to hear because you chose to not be here on that day. It's awesome. I don't know where I came up with that, but man, is it true. The very word that should apply to you individually, you won't hear because somehow you chose to not be here on that day. And there's a bunch of reasons not to be here. i got to go somewhere. Someone's getting married. Someone in the neighborhood is sick. Uh, I just don't feel like it. i got to go on vacation again. Right? Or my wife doesn't feel good. Or I don't feel good. She doesn't. Take every one of those excuses and just test it this way. If the same thing was true concerning your job, would you still go to work that day? So if your wife was sick, would you go to work that day? But if your wife was sick, would you go to church that day? You get my point? Whatever excuse you use to not obey God, you better get ready for the fire because you're going to see if it's really, really true. Or if you're just making excuses. And you won't overcome. And that'll be on you. I'm making friends. All right. I, I'm amazed. I really am. I'm just amazed. Really. Holy smokes. What does it take? What does it take, really, to get you to look at it? In two weeks, we're going to get into the real depth of this thing. This will blow you away. But let me just say this. The times are coming where two out of three people on this planet are going to die. Is that enough for you? If that is true, what would you do? If I could, if I could tell you that of a certainty that will be in your lifetime, yay, even fairly close, what would you do? Well, I think Colorado's calling. Did y'all get that? Or I don't feel good to get my back certain. Well, don't go to church. My God, they don't believe in the healer or nothing there, do they? Oh, no, no, don't go to church. Oh, my Lord. It's time to get real, dude. It's time to get real. Amen. And none of that's in my notes, except the first line. (laughs) The first line. (laughs) That thing's full. All right.
Michael's got it tonight, right? Apocalypse. It wasn't apocalyptic, was it, when you got married? <laughs> Look at my friend over here. The only guy here is honest, and, you know, good report. <laughs> yeah, you seen your end, all right. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your good word. We ask that you would bless these people with ears to hear and an understanding heart. I think they could actually put this in their life. And I've been beating them up a little bit, Lord, so I ask you to be kind to them now. But do use them to encourage one one another. That's what we're supposed to do. The Bible says we're supposed to really do that as we see the day approach. So let's encourage one another to do the right thing. And really look at all these excuses that we have for, for not doing the principal things. You know, honestly. So, there you have it, Lord. I just pray that you'll bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen.